I, I have, you know, the Lord spoke to me, and I, I really think this is a really cool uh, message this morning. It's just kind of weighing heavily upon me. Um, have you ever had your prayers go unanswered, or at least seemingly go unanswered? Or at least maybe your prayer, the answer that you got, wasn't the one you wanted? We've all had that. Um, have you ever prayed, but God, for some reason, didn't do what you told him to do? Prayed, and God didn't do what you asked him to do. That happens a lot. You know, he, he didn't take the actions that you had planned out for him. You know, sometimes we pray, and we map this plan out to God. We say, God, here's the goal. Here's the path of least resistance. This is the best, most efficient way. Lord, I'm an intelligent person. I'm thinking this through. Here's a good way, Lord. I bring it to you. But yet, strangely, God seems to just blow your plan off and do things His own way. That happens to all of us. We've all been there. That God just doesn't seem to follow our suggestions sometimes. You know, I've caught myself praying before. And I pray and I catch myself suggesting to God what He needs to do. I know that we all do this. Matter of fact, sometimes He actually will do the opposite of what I'm praying. Just the very opposite. There have been times in my life where I have prayed for God to take me in a certain direction. Lord, here's this goal out here, Lord. That's what I want to achieve. Let's go this way, God. Amen. As soon as you say amen, God says, okay, son, you're going this way. And, and I'm like, Lord, what's, what's wrong here? What's, what's going on? You just heard me pray that we need to go this way, Lord, and you take me the wrong direction. Is there some sort of problem here, Lord? He just doesn't do what I suggest he needs to do. I've been very frustrated at times in my life because the Lord didn't take the plan that I had mapped out for me. He didn't do what I thought he should do. Okay? I know that many of you have prayed for situations in your life that needed changed. And God has seemed content many times to let you suffer through situations for certain seasons. He kind of just lets you go through them while you're saying, Lord, take this away or Lord, change this. And he doesn't. You know, I've seen many people in here suffer through seasons of agony. And God seems content just to let you walk through them. You know, I notice it's almost as if God does things His way. He does them His way. You know, I wonder to myself, Lord, is there, is there like a breach in the communication between us? Lord, I'm praying, I'm spelling this out very clearly to you, Lord. Is there a problem in the communication between us? You know, are you hearing me correctly, God? Because I'm asking you for this, but you're doing that. Brothers and sisters, listen, I don't think there is a communication problem. I think when we pray, God hears us loud and clear. He does. He hears it when we suggest He do something. He does. He hears it when we pray. And I'm not saying that prayer is a bad thing. Prayer is scriptural. We're, we're commanded to pray. We're, we're told to make our petitions and our requests made known unto God. So if you're praying for something, keep doing it. Not saying it's bad. But... Despite my prayers, all the prayers that I've told the Lord, the directions that I've wanted to go, I can't help but notice 
that God seems to do things in His way, in His timing. Despite what I suggest, despite what I think He ought to do, the actions that I think He should take, He seems to do things His way. Despite the suffering I go through or my circumstances, and I wonder, God, why can't you just do things normal? Lord, I feel like I'm rational. I feel like I'm halfway intelligent. I feel like I have thought through this, Lord, and I find a solution. I bring it to you. Why can't you just do that, Lord? It's normal, it's easy, and it's quick. Why can't God just do things our way? You know, there's, there's many answers to that question, okay? There's many reasons why God doesn't do what we ask all the time. But I'd like to just look at one reason that God does things His way in our lives. To do that, we have to go to the book of Judges. There's uh, something that occurs in the book of Judges. Now, the book of Judges is just after the book of Joshua. If anyone remembers the book of Joshua, it's a, a very uh, bloody book. Lots of bad. Joshua was a, a warrior, a fighter. Well, Joshua had just died. Okay, and the nation of Israel goes through a time where they're ruled by judges, hence the name Judges for the book of Judges. Okay, so they don't, it's not a king, it's just an appointed, you know, prophet or judge type person of a temporary time. Because if you remember, I've preached this before, Israel was not meant to be ruled by a king. Okay, so then there's this span that they're ruled by judges. Up until the first king, remember, it was King Saul. So that's just a, a bit of history real quick where we're at in the book of Judges. Okay? Well, one of the judges was a man named Gideon. Okay? Now, the Israelites, at the beginning of this book of Judges, they were in sin. It, really, the, ch the children of God are, aren't a whole lot different than what we are today. The ancient Hebrew people, if you read through the Old Testament, you'll see that there's times they were on fire for the Lord, they served the Lord, and great things happened, and they loved the Lord. But they're just like us. Then there's other times they fade away, they turn to the world, they forget about the Lord, and they start chasing after the worldly things. And then bad things start happening to them, and, and it's God's way of trying to correct them and get them back, back on path. They're not a whole lot different than we are today. So these Israelites are disobeying the Lord, and the Lord punishes them by sending the Midianites to them. The Midianites were descendants of a man named Midian, which was a, one of Abraham's sons from long ago. Okay? So there was Baal worship going on. Baal was some type of a fertility god. Supposedly, if you worshipped Baal, this deity could bless you with fertility, lots of children. It could make your livestock increase, your crops increase. And the nation of Israel turned away from the Lord and they started worshipping this fertility god named Baal. Okay? Listen, Judges chapter 3, verse 7. We'll just get a touch more background here. It says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and forgot the Lord their God, and served Balaam in the groves. Now, Balaam is just a plural form of Baal, this deity, okay? So, these children of Israel do evil in the sight of the Lord. They forget about the Lord, and they start serving this false deity, okay? Now, we're really going to pick up our story in Judges chapter 6. 
And we'll start reading Judges chapter 6, verse 1. Kind of have a good bit of scripture this morning, but all of it's kind of in the same spot right here in Judges. 6 verse 1 says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel, and because the Midianites, because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them dens which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up, and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. Four says, And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth, till thou come unto Gaza, and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camel were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. Verse 6 says, And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Okay, so the nation of Israel is in a bad way here. They forget about the Lord, and they go off the path that the Lord has set for them, and the Lord punishes them for it. Okay, now we have to remember that the Lord, a lot of times we look at the Bible, and especially we look at the Old Testament, we think, well, God's a hard God. Look at him doing all this punishment. But in reality, a punishment from God is love. It is. It's his way of afflicting his people because he loves them. He afflicts them to correct them, to get them back on the path. Because when there's no affliction, we just go wherever we want and do whatever we want. Everything's good. Everything's fine. So we have to remember that the Lord sends the Midianites as a form of punishment to his people because they're out serving these pagan gods, and he wants to bring them back to him to serving Him, to being faithful unto Him. Why? Because the Lord chastens those whom He loves. Amen? His punishments are to correct us, not to condemn us. So to correct His people, He sends the Midianites. Okay? And the Midianites eat and use up the land. They eat everything in sight. They ravish the whole land and make it desolate. There's no food, no sustenance left for the people of Israel. Okay? And it also says there's a boatload of Midianites. They're like grasshoppers. We've seen the plagues. If you get on YouTube, you can see plagues of grasshoppers. They come, they eat everything, and they move on, and the land's left desolate like a desert. That's how these Midianites were. And they came without number. And they had camels without number, sheep, oxen without number. So it's a great many a people. So God's punishment starts working. The people of Israel start crying out to the Lord. They remember, oh, wait a minute, we need to go back to God. So they start crying out to the Lord. Judges 6, verse 11. Okay? And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak, which was in Ophrah, that pertained unto Joash the Abzerite, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto Gideon, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Now look at Gideon's response. And Gideon said unto him, O oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all the miracles which our father told of us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. 
Now, let's stop there just for a minute. But, but I like to really look and take in Gideon's response because it's just like our response would be. Okay, because I understand Gideon's response. See, all this has come upon them. These Midianites come and they're ravishing the land, taking everything. We just read a bit ago that the Israelites had to go live in caves because they took over the whole land. They, they had to go find cracks in the rocks and live in there. And this angel comes to Gideon. says, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. But if you look at Gideon, Gideon's like, Why has all this befallen us? If God is with us, where is all the stories of these miracles that our fathers told us? Where is the Lord? Is that not just like us? You, you notice that Gideon doesn't mention anything about the pagan worship going on. Gideon doesn't mention anything about the evil that they've been doing. He doesn't come and say, yeah, we've been, we deserve it. Just like us. When problems come and happen to us, we're like, why, Lord? Well, Lord, you did miracles in the Bible. Why can't you do miracles for me, Lord? So Gideon's response is very human. And I understand it very well. Where are all the miracles of the Lord? Why has all this befallen us, Gideon says. Gideon's prayer is just like ours. He forgets to mention all the Baal worship going on and stuff. In other words, Gideon's saying, why can't you just do what I want you to do? Why can't you just do what I'm asking you to do? Deliver us from these Midianites. Make them go away. Destroy them. Throw lightning bolts on them. Whatever you need to do, God. Get rid of them. Let the earth open up and swallow them up. Just get me back to where we were, Lord. Get rid of these people. Lord, that's the best plan. I got it all mapped out for you. Just do what I'm suggesting for you to do, Lord. Just do things my way, God. Judges 6, verse 14 says, And the Lord looked upon him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewithal shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Well, Gideon, we'll skip through a lot of this because it's a lot of reading, but Gideon ends up going and tearing down. In the middle of the night, he goes and tears down the altar of Baal. Him and his group of guys, they just thrash this altar that they'd been serving and worshiping this false god on it. They wake up in the morning and all the people see it. Hey, who did this? And they find out it's Gideon and they're wanting to kill Gideon. Well, then Gideon goes on and does the fleece thing. You can go read that. You know, he sets out a fleece and, Lord, if you're with us, this will be dry. The ground will be wet. And then he kind of changes it. Lord, if this is true, this will be wet. The ground will be dry. We won't read all that stuff, but that stuff goes on. Well, then Gideon goes and he gathers up this monstrous army. Okay, now you remember we've already read that the Midianites were a people without number. All their stuff without number, they're like grasshoppers. So there's however many thousands and thousands and thousands of these Midianites. So Gideon goes and gathers this huge army to make war against the Midianites, okay? Now here's what I think is interesting. If you have to go up, this is just my rational thoughts. My plans. This is the way I see it. Huh. If Jason D. has to go fight a huge army, then I want a huge army. Okay? If I have to fight 10,000 people, then I want at least 10,000. I'll take 15 or 20,000. Okay? I want as big as an army as them, if not bigger. I want to have the upper hand. That's the way my mind thinks. That's the way my mind works. If there's an army of 10,000 people, 
I'm not fighting them if it's only me and a few buddies. Forget it. It's just common sense, right? If you have a huge army you have to go up against, you should have a huge army. <clears throat> but remember, we're dealing with the Lord here. He doesn't seem to do things normal. He, he doesn't seem to do things man's way. He doesn't seem to answer our prayers the way we tell him to. You know, Lord, there's a big army coming up against me. I need a big army, Lord. So Gideon, as common sense would dictate, goes and gathers up an army. His army is 32,000 people strong. Yes, 32,000 warriors is what Gideon goes and gathers. Got this big army. He's feeling good. Things are going good. The Lord's with me. I'm going to destroy these Midianites. Gathered up this big giant army. We're going to get rid of these people. Bless God. Judges 7-2. Now, enter the Lord here, okay? Judges 7-2 says, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, My own hand hath saved me. Now therefore go to... Proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people 22,000, and there remained 10,000. Okay. See, I'm having problems here, Lord. This is bothering me a little bit, okay? Let's put ourselves in Gideon's shoes for a minute. There's these Midianites that you're going to have to fight. And they're without number, like grasshoppers. You go to the trouble of getting this big old monstrous army, and God comes on the scene. Remember, you're praying, Lord, deliver us from these people. Lord, give me the power to get rid of these people out of this land. Lord, we're going to start serving you again. you got this big army you're ready to have at it. And the Lord says, eh, your army's just a little bit too big. Tell all those that are afraid to go ahead and go back home. So Gideon says, all right, Lord, you're God, okay. Everyone, if you're afraid and you're too worried about this fighting and all that, then go ahead and leave. How do you think, brothers and sisters, that Gideon felt when 22,000 of his warriors said, okay, I'll see you later, Gideon? I, you know what, I'd be, I'd be like, thank you, Lord, thanks, Lord. Yeah, I had this big giant army, now the majority of them just left. Lord, what's wrong with you? Is there a problem with the way that we communicate, Lord, I'm praying for you to deliver me. You just sent home almost all my fighters. What's, what seems to be the problem, Lord? Why can't you just do things normal? Can't you just see that I need a lot of fighters, Lord? Why can't you just do what I asked? Why can't you just do what I suggest? Can't you see I'm in a bad way here, Lord? Well, the story goes on. Judges chapter 7, verse 4. says, And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto you, This shall go with thee, then the same shall go with you. And of whomsoever I say unto you, This shall not go with you, the same shall not go. Verse 5, So he brought down the people unto the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that laps of the water with his tongue as a dog laps, him shalt thou set by himself. Likewise, everyone that bows down upon his knees to drink, 
And the number of them that lapped, putting their hands to their mouth, were 300 men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. Okay, so the Lord's saying, after he done sent the 22,000 home, numbers are getting thin already. The Lord, remember, I'm a rational individual. I consider myself a realist, okay? I want the real deal. If there's a big army, I need a big army. So 22,000 people leave. Why do you think Gideon's feeling in the first place? Then God comes back to him and says, you still got too many. Gideon's probably about ready to pull his hair out. What's wrong with you, Lord? What is wrong with you? You're supposed to be, a, you're supposed to be wise beyond anything. So then God says, go take him down to the brook. And, and whoever drinks down, puts their head in there and drinks like that, send them home. But the, the ones that get down and they go like this and they drink like that, you keep them ones. So Gideon says, okay. So they go down there. And everyone that goes like that, Gideon says, go over there. He says, everyone that sticks their head in the water and starts drinking, go on home. So there's only 300 people left. 300 people. In other words, God sends home 9,700 more warriors. How do you think Gideon felt at this point? He already saw 22,000 walk away. Now 9,700 other people. I'll see you later, Gideon. Hope things go well for you. And he's got 300. Do the math. That's less than 1% of the people that Gideon gathered up from the original 32,000. God says, yeah, let's whittle it down a little bit to less than 1%. Well, I, I, I don't know how... How you, I don't know how you process this, but I would be thinking, what is wrong with you, Lord? What is wrong with you? Here's the goal, is to defeat the Midianites. Here's the best way to do it. Can't you just do what I'm asking you to do? Can't you just listen to my suggestions, Lord? Can't you just see that I'm telling you common sense, Lord? But the Lord says, eh, widow it down to 300 people. So Gideon is left with 300 fighters left, less than 1%. Thanks, God. Thank you. Maybe I should have just done it my way and, and not even had you in the equation. At least I'd have a bigger, bigger army. Why can't you just do what I suggest, Lord? Imagine praying. Lord, help me to defeat these Midianites. Amen. And you wake up. And 31,700 warriors go like this. Well, so we'll see you later. You're going to say, what's wrong with you, Lord? What is wrong with you? You know, New Hope, the thing we forget when God doesn't do what we think he should do or when God doesn't do what we suggest he should do is that he is the Lord. He is God alone. You know, I try to stay in a habit of reading one of the Proverbs, one chapter of Proverbs every day. You know, one that jumps out, it's like it punches me in the eye every time I read it or slugs me in the gut every single time I read it. It's Proverbs chapter 21, verse 30. You don't have to turn there, but listen. This just jumps out at me every single time because I'm a man that likes to try to figure things out and solve problems and, and map out a, a, a plan. But Proverbs says, there is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. Nothing, Jason D., 
nothing you, you or you, can succeed against the Lord. None of your plans, none of your suggestions, none of your better ways can succeed against the counsel of God. Listen, in the NIV, that same scripture says, there is no wisdom, no insight, or no plan that can succeed against the Lord. Meaning, we have these plans, we have this process mapped out that we want to go, but sometimes God comes along, and if He comes along, no matter what He does, His way is superior to your way. It is superior to your way. God does what He wants, when He wants to. God works His plan, not ours. He does. Judges 7, 16. We'll pick back up in our story. And he divided the 300 men into three companies. So he's got three companies of 100. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, you do also. When I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came unto the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch, and they had but newly set the watch, and they blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers that were in their hands. And the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hand and the trumpet in their right to blow withal. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood every man in his place round about the camp. And all the host ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Bethshita in Zerah, and to the borders of Abimelohah, unto Tabith. So this three companies breaks up into one hundreds, and they go and they have a trumpet in one hand and a lamp type thing in the other. And they sneak in. Because they're such a small number, they're able to sneak into the camp of the Midianites as the watch is going, and they slam, they start blowing these trumpets, and it freaks the enemy out so bad, the Midianites just wig out, and they start fighting each other. They're so fearful, they don't have any idea what's going on. So the 300 goes into this army of innumerable people and completely freaks them out, and they have no idea what's going on. God does things His way. Amen? The next time God doesn't do things your way, I hope you remember Gideon. I hope when you remember, when you're praying and you say, okay, Lord, is it? Amen. And you wake up and all the warriors are walking away. I hope you say, wait a minute. I remember when, when God took less than 1% of what Gideon thought would be good, and it worked. God made it work. Gideon got 33,000 warriors, but God whittled it down to 300. It doesn't make sense to my human mind, but look at the end results. Gideon goes on a conquest on the next couple chapters. We won't read them all. And man, he's just tearing these Midianites to, to pieces. And we'll finish this part of the story with this. Judges chapter 8, verse 28 says, 
Thus was Midian subdued before the children of Israel, so that they lifted up their heads no more, and the country was in quietness 40 years in the days of Gideon. Can anybody say, I stand corrected, Lord. I stand corrected. I, I know I would be thinking, what is wrong with you, Lord? What, what seems to be, is there a breakdown in the communication process, Lord? But yet, we see that God accomplished things His way. Not a way that might seem rational to a man or to a human mind. God did things His way. Why? Well, Isaiah tells us why. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. The Lord says, mm, I don't have a human mind. I'm God. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, God's ways are superior to man's ways. My best plans that I can make, the best plans that I can make for this church, whatever they may be, I yield to God. Why? Because His way is superior to my way. Why? Because He is higher than I am. I am flesh here today, gone tomorrow. Bible says my flesh is like grass. Grows for a while, then scorched by the sun and withers away. God never wasn't. God has always been. God was never created. Yet, here I am suggesting what He should do. Telling Him what He should do. The one that spoke stars into existence. The one that formed the dry land with His hands. The one that owns the oceans because He made them. Here am I saying, I think you need to do this, Lord. But the Lord is saying, Son, my ways are higher than your ways. Son, I'm going to whittle that army down to 300. Why? Because that's all I need. That's all I need. I'm going to do things my way. Hmm. You know why God doesn't do things our way a lot of times? It's so that God can receive the glory. It's so that He alone can receive the glory. No man. Lord, this doesn't look good to me, but you are higher than I am. I trust in you. See, God hates pride. It, it actually tells us that He hates pride. He does. So I believe God does a lot of things His way so that when He takes us through something, just like in Gideon's situation, when the battle's over and Gideon can say, well, wait a minute now, 300 people just defeated an army without number? So then Gideon, when he came through, Gideon wasn't able to say, look what I did. Gideon probably said, oh my goodness, God did 100% of everything. He did it all. You know, I, I've mentioned this before preaching, actually years ago. I love talking to my grandpa. I love my grandfather a lot. He was a lot like me. We both liked to talk to people and interact with people and I would go talk to him. We would have interesting conversations. But when my grandpa got older, man, he had, he had really good insight. I, I'd like to go and just sit with him and listen to him. And I'll never forget the time, not long before he died, he told me. He used to call me Jake. He said, Jake, all these years, 
I was the type of man that I did it. I did it my way. I, I made a living for me and mine. I, I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. And he said, Jake, what a fool I was. He said, now I look back on my life. God did everything. Everything. I did nothing. What a fool I was. And you know that stuck with me. God does things his way. His way. You know, when you go through something and God does it his way, then you'll be able to look back and say, only God got me through that. Only God. You know, when God brings you through a situation, he wants you to say, to God be the glory. You know, that's the whole purpose of your life is actually to bring God glory, to bring glory to God. That's, that's why you exist on this planet is to bring glory to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Well, everything we just read in the Old Testament will confirm in the New Testament. It says this, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, nor many mighty, nor many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things which are. That no flesh, listen now, that no flesh should glory in his presence. God picks the weak. God whittles the army down to 300 to go against the armies of countless he, he uses the weak. He uses those that aren't so super wise. He uses that. Why? So that no flesh can glory in His presence. We see the same characteristics manifest themselves in Christ Jesus in the New Testament. And, and I'll be quick about this story and I'll, I'll bring it to a close soon. But it's funny to me that the same thing, the same character of God in the Old Testament is really it's the same character of God in the New Testament. Listen, John chapter 11 is the story of Lazarus. Jesus, his buddy, his close personal buddy. Lazarus is sick, okay? We'll start reading John eleven three. Remember, to me, this is just like the story of Gideon. It says, therefore, his sisters sent unto Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, him whom thou lovest is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Verse 5 says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now, now you see, I don't get that. I don't understand that. Lord, we just told you that... One of your best, most beloved buddies is sick and he's dying. We just told you that, Lord. I don't understand then. Verse 6, it says, when he heard it, that he was sick, he abode two days still. In other words, Jesus just hung out for two more days where he was. You see, I'm thinking, Lord, this is one of your dearly beloved. Uh, Lord, can't you see we're all praying for Lazarus? Lord, can't you see Lazarus is in a bad way here? Uh, he's getting ready to die, Lord. Let, let's see, you've told us that you're the Son of Man. 
that you're the Messiah. We've seen you do miracles before. Is there something wrong with what you're hearing? We're telling you Lazarus is sick. Lord, can you go help Lazarus out? This man is going to die unless you do something. We came to you. We communicated this information to you. But yet, Jesus, you, your best plan of action is to abide still. Just hang out two more days. And Lazarus is dying. Don't you realize, Jesus, that time is of the essence here? Can you figure that out, Jesus? We're coming to tell you this so that you can take action. Lord, here's our plan. Can't you just do it? Touch Lazarus. I mean, you, you love him. It's just an awesome face in the crowd. You love this man. You know this man. You love his family. So, Lord, here's this problem. Can you take care of it? But he abode two days still. It's almost like the author is saying, but he stayed where he was for two days still. Lord, that's your best plan is to just hang out for two more days? You know, back then they didn't have uber back then they didn't have uh, cars that they could just zoom over to the next place i'm sure things were uh, take hours and hours and days to journey to another place but the author says jesus abides for two more days still it's like jesus don't you know that time is of the essence what is it that you don't understand here lord we're telling you this man is sick. He's going to die. We're, we're kind of hoping you'll take some action. We've seen you do it before. What seems to be the problem? Can't you just do what we're suggesting, go and heal Lazarus? You know, as a matter of fact, Martha even says what we're all thinking. In, in verse 21, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You know, she just kind of says what's all in our thoughts, whether we'd had the courage to say that or not. She does. Hey, Jesus, maybe if you wouldn't have hung out for two days still, my brother would still be here. If you would have been here, if you would have made the journey back then, he would still be alive. If you wouldn't have hung out for two more days, you could have saved him. Jesus, why didn't you just do what I told you to do, what I suggested? Why didn't you just follow my plan? It was a good one. But again, we see Jesus answering their prayers on his timeline. When he wants to, how he wants to. Why? So that no flesh can glory. So that we can know he is God and we are not. So that we can know it's not by our might. It's not by our plans. It's not our intellect. It's not our timeline even. Well, it's so funny how much we tell, Lord, this day is coming up, Lord. I, you need to fall into place on my timeline, God. It's not our actions. God doesn't fall into any of those categories. He does things when He wants in His timing. And He does that so that we will say, to God be the glory. If I can have Rod and the band make their way back, please. You know, I wish we could grasp this. You know, even when we pray, you know, when I pray a lot of times anymore, on our Wednesday nights, we put music on, and I just worship and tell the Lord how good He is. He already knows the problems. 
He already knows the timeline. He already knows people with disease and sickness. Now, it's not bad to petition the Lord, but you might as well just go in there and worship Him and get lost in His presence and just say, Lord, you take the reins. Do your thing. You are God. I see that Isaiah says you are superior to me. I agree to that. Lord, I submit to you. All of this is in your timing, to your will, so that no flesh can glory in his presence. Is why he does all these things. So that we can't say, man, that Jason, he, he sure really has some good plans. Man, he sure is motivated. He sure is ambitious. Man, he, he sure really moved some neat pieces and parts into place. That's not how it works. It's God. I'll go, here's a, a rough plan, Lord. I'll give you this rough plan, Lord. I'm going to go in this direction. But Lord, you change things whenever you want. You close doors whenever you want. You know, people come to me and they say, hey, how, how do I know if I should get a new job or this or that? You know what I pray? I pray, Lord, if there's a door in front of me, a door of opportunity, I'm going to walk through it. But Lord, if you slam it in my face, I won't so much as even jiggle the handle. I'll turn and walk away. Because I want my life to glorify the Lord. I want my life, everything about me, to bring glory to God. Brothers and sisters, be encouraged this morning. If we could dim these lights, please. When God whittles your army down from 32,000, put it down to 300, don't be discouraged. Don't, don't try to figure things out in your human mind. Don't try to do the math and say, Lord,